Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name is Mike. Today we've got five deadheads from around the country competing for a prize pack donated by Play Dead. Play Dead is a collaboration between Mason, aka From the Lot, who was our guest curator last week, and Jeremy. They produce officially licensed Grateful Dead merchandise in a variety of just awesome designs. It's shocking and cool that they have been putting together so many prize packs. So our winners get hooked up and everyone should check out their Instagram. It is at always play dead. And from there you can go down a rabbit hole of awesome designs and, and yeah, check them out. Thank you again to play dead. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a grateful dead live track and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all in video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our returning champ, Larry, the Grateful Dentist here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. All right, the guesses are in. Franklin's Tower at Oakland Auditorium Arena on August 5th, 1979. Rolling away the dew refers to a step of the casting process of large bells. So that settles that. We had one person get it exactly. It is our returning champion, Larry the Grateful Dentist. He nailed it in 1979. How'd you figure that out, Larry? So what, what I heard there was I heard Brent very early on. 
Um, it kind of had that more relaxed late 70s, early 80s feel to it. Um, I thought Jerry's voice was kind of clean, relatively. Um, so that led me to like 79 to 81-ish. Um, and then it seemed to me that Jerry's guitar sounded more like Wolf than the Tiger. Um, I always associate the the Tiger with kind of a a, a softer, um, gentler tone, um, and the Wolf kind of like bites through a little bit more. And I, I could be wrong because you know it was right around that time that he went to the Wolf, but it just kind of it it felt I was I was between seventy nine and eighty, and it just kind of reminded me a little of Cape Cod seventy nine with that massive dancing in the streets, Franklin's tower. And that that's why I picked what I picked. Thanks, Larry. Welcome back to the show. We had two people guess 1982, Chad and Jesse. They're both on in the next round. Chad, we'll start with you. Chad is 48 and he's from Nashville, Tennessee. Chad, what'd you hear there? Yeah. So I heard, you know, it sounded like early Brent, um, early eighties to me, I was thinking 81, 82, 83, I kind of split the difference there and went with with 1982. Uh, it could have been, you know, anywhere a little before or after. Got it. You're playing the game. Very smart. And how'd you get into the dead, Chad? Well, when I was a sophomore in high school, about 90, 91, I grew up in a small town, Northeast Indiana. And one of my best friends, he had an older brother. He was about five years older than us. And where I grew up, we were you know, three hours in any direction to all these venues where the dead played. You could get to Cleveland or Cincinnati or Detroit, you know, Pine Knob, Deer Creek, Chicago, all within a pretty short drive. Alpine Valley wasn't too far away. And this older brother would go to all the shows at the time. And um, <laughs> so... I went to their house and I was fascinated. He was so into the dead and he had tapes. I mean, tapes is what did it for me. This guy had racks of tapes on all the walls in his living room, hundreds and hundreds of tapes meticulously kept in a certain order and the greatest sound system, you know, he had the Bose speakers and the best stuff of the, of the, of the, of the day. And um, <laughs> so I would go over there. He would spin me off tapes and that's how I got into the dead. And I went to my first show in 93 and, you know, seen hundreds of them since. So you see his tapes and you're just like, could I borrow one of those? Well, he would let me, he would let me spin them off. So you could come over and he would copy me like 10 at a time. But I learned real, real quickly. You couldn't bring like the two for a dollar cheap, you know, TDK, uh, you had to have the member X, like the solid gray that were four bucks a pop. And, you know, you had to have the best of the best. And if you, you graced his presence with that, he would grace you with tapes. And I went back time and time and time again. And eventually he would let me actually take some with me to copy at home. And I always made sure and brought them back. So I started to collect, amass this big collection of show tapes. Um, and it was, it was, it was just, one of those things that, you know, how, someone's into this on this level, I would just got interested in it. Did you doodle on the tapes? You know what? It's funny because I would put the set list on the inside 
where they weren't on the outside because we played a game where, you know, it was guess the next song, listen to the jam, what's in between, what, 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 what do we, what's coming up next? You didn't want to know what the set list was. You wanted to kind of put it in fresh and play that game of, hey, what are they going into next? So I didn't really doodle on the tapes, but I would put the set list on the inside where if I really want to look at it, I could, but most of the time I didn't want to see it. Love that. Cool. Well, welcome, Chad. Jesse also guessed 1982. He's also on the next round. Jesse is 30 from Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Jesse, what'd you hear there? Uh, just kind of the same thing. I heard Brent jump out pretty early, um, but I kind of heard Jerry's voice sound a little raspy, so I was kind of thinking like more like that 82, 83. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went with 82. Yeah, thought it was safe and sound. And how'd you get into the dead? Uh, so yeah, like, um, obviously like being 92 when I was born, Jerry died in 95, never got to see him. But, um, in like middle school, I was going to like a local ski area, basically every day after school, getting dropped off as like a daycare system, basically. And, uh, the lady who is now my mother-in-law at the time was the barkeep and she kept a little radio that played like the local WNCW and it had dead hour dead hour uh like eight to nine every wednesday night and that was like when i would come in from snowboarding and we would sit in the lodge and like i don't know in middle school it just kind of started clicking and then high school it was another thing and then into college it was like oh wow this is something really fun to do and yeah just kind of try and see as many shows as possible now so were a lot of kids staying afterwards listening to the dead or did she like pluck you out of the group uh i mean it was just a couple of us that like really just rode and like um we all kind of grew up in the train park hitting rails and like i mean this is like a rat like a like a small little ski area that's 60 some acres so i mean like and it's like north carolina where we ski 100 acres 100 days a year but it's all like ice basically but it's like fun as all get out so uh, it was the kids that stuck around and yeah we a lot of us still see shows to this day um a lot of us are on the build train seeing a lot of billy strings and yeah, anytime J rides around, we'll drive and see them quite a bit. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like a crazy like twenty year history of a uh, like six or six or seven friends. Yeah, and everyone transitioned to Billy too. Yeah, yeah, everyone. I don't know. Growing up in like these parts, like you just kind of get bluegrass like thrown at you very young, like whatever denomination you are um, or whatever. Like you just kind of hear bluegrass early and often uh, and. That's like the king of uh, bluegrass right now. Why do you think Billy Strings has this crossover mainstream appeal when there's tons of really, really talented bluegrass players out there? Uh, I say like he's taken Doc Watson in that melodic tone. Uh, I think it's like you go to a lot of shows, you see people dancing and like it's very melodic tones. It's like you look at pop music and like reasons why like Post Malone is popular. It's like, it's music that will just literally make you bob your head. And like, Billy just does that really well. But then like, he like has the chops to like, absolutely just like blow you away. So it's like, he lulls you in and then just like, absolutely like, yeah, I kind of relate it to like that, like 68, 67, like Grateful Dead. Like it's kind of poppy, you kind of get going, but then like, we'll absolutely just like blow your doors off. Great answer. Thank you. Yeah. The next round. So David 
is also on to the next round. He guessed 1990. Evan was one year off and guessing 1991. We'll, we'll meet Evan in a second. But first, David is uh, 15. He's from Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, what'd you hear there? Oh, what I heard was I got hooked in by the voice and the pace, like that raspiness. I think that Jesse mentioned, and I bought in that combined with the pace. I was like, dude, 90, 91, maybe. And I thought it was 90 because I heard Brent, but, uh, you know, I just fucked it up, man. I mean, it's the same, it's the same cast of characters. So you were yeah. right there, you know, it's, and how'd you get into the dead? So I was at Michigan early nineties and, uh, there's a bunch of hippies in Ann Arbor dead playing all over the place, people playing tapes, trading tapes, kind of always in the background. Um, and I went on a real emotional day and saw him for the first time in 93 and uh, just got on the bus that day for real, for real. And I've been hooked every day since. Saw them on the West Coast, saw them in the Midwest. I've done all the post-Jerry variations, mostly Phil. Phil's my favorite by far, but um, I see them all whenever I can. So Phil and Friends is number one. Yeah, I mean, I got a buddy who lives like five minutes from the cap. So go up there every October, every time he's at the cap. I mean, that that place is like a home venue, man. Go see Phil there if you haven't, because it is the best. Our pal Smigo said that Phil's singing peaked in 2010. When do you think Phil's singing peaked? I, I listened to that episode and I kind of agreed with him, you know. I mean, he mentioned the, you know, the show with Trey as well. But I mean, that whole, you know... All during like the further and the dead years, I thought he was very solid vocally, you know, uh, and with the cue and in the, you know, the mid range of the Phil years, I mean, fantastic vocals. They're still pretty good, you know, I mean, you know, not as good, but I would say, you know, I'd say he's about right. 2010, maybe 2008, somewhere around there. He was at his peak. I mean, some people say the old stuff, but I, I like the old stuff as well. I mean, he just the joy he brings to the singing. Uh, especially with Phil and Friends. I think it's just out of this world. Great answer. Thanks, David. Thanks for being here. Evan, you guessed 1992 or 91. Uh, you were only off by one in terms of making the next round. Heartbreak. What did you uh, kind of trip you up there? I don't know, man. I totally whiffed on it. I, uh, To be honest, I, I don't know if I can hear it all that well, but still, I mean, there's no excuse. Really, I guess I heard Jerry's voice was the first thing. Uh, and to be really honest, I thought I thought I heard Vince's little 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 clanking keys there a little bit, you know. So I I, I just I don't know. I just said ninety one. And honestly, Dave, I bet you were uh, you were you're pretty worried you're gonna get eliminated, huh? Well, I saved you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I should oh, say I'm sorry. I thought Evan. I was out. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, I, well, I, mean, I knew I was out. But yeah, well, uh, Evan, you are. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're 32 and you're from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yep, that's right. Just uh, just south of Nashville. Where the I, live in is. I live in Laverne. I live in Yeah, Laverne. there you go. There you go. Right. We're neighbors, man. We're neighbors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and Evan, how, how did you get into the dead? Uh, you know, I, I, I went to, uh, went to uh, the big Bonnery Festival that's down here whenever I was uh, 16. And saw some jam bands and saw all sorts of really cool, you know, music that I've never heard before up until that point. And uh, about that time, I, you know, my cousin's boyfriend was really big into you know, Grateful Dead and String Cheese and everything like that. So I was just listening to that, and I, I really started getting into the Grateful Dead because I just the songs, you know, really resonated with. Me. You know, I really liked everything about them, really. So. 
I don't know. You know, I just kept listening to him. Uh, burned a bunch of CDs, you know. Then uh, I saw further you know, on New Year's Eve over in Bill Graham over at uh, in San Francisco. I think it was like 2009 or 2010, and and that was, you know, when it really when I when I was really hooked because I was able to experience the community of it all too, you know. And that's what that's what I like just as much as the music. You know, if I see if I see somebody with a, you know, a Grateful Dead shirt, I mean, maybe, you know, a lot of people wear that now. But, you know, even like a Grateful Dead tattoo, you know, I know, you know, we're basically family in a way we really are. And so, you know, it's just the community of it. The music's awesome. I love the improvs of, of all the, you know, all the jams going on. And, and yeah, man. People at home can't see, but we can see that you're in the cab of your truck right now. Um, yeah. I- and you said you listened to, before we started, you said you listened to The Dead a lot while you're driving around. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, as anybody who's listening to this podcast knows, right, what kind of, what better driving music is there, you know? Uh, and, and then I can just put on, you know, the first sh- the first song of a show and play it all the way through. And I'm, I'm happy. And I just went through, you know, two and a half, three hours of my day listening to one show. So, I mean, it takes up time and it's, you know, it's a good way for me to really digest things. I mean, obviously, it didn't work too well because uh, <laughs> I guess ninety-one on the on the seventy-nine show. I was going to tell people about this, but now I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot. And last question: What do you think about the dead pretending to be truckers, singing about it, but not actually being truckers? Uh, well. Hey, I, I think I'm still pretending to be a trucker, man, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all good. It's all good. Cool, cool, Evan. Um, you're the man. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going I'm to keep on trucking, everybody. I'm going to get back in this captain seat and roll on, but good luck. Well, yeah, thank you. Evan pulled over just to do the podcast, so thank you, Evan. That's uh, yeah, it means a lot. Appreciate it. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Good luck with everything. All right. Larry, Chad, Jesse, and David are on to the next round. Let's play the song. Must be some over me. 
right, guesses are in. Standing on the Moon at Pine Knob Music Theater in Clarkston, Michigan on June 20th, 1991. Lyricist Robert Hunter commented on the song, Standing on the Moon was one of those neat, sweet, quick things, like it must have been the roses, where the whole picture just came to me and I grabbed a piece of paper and got it down. No changes, no nothing. Out of the head of Zeus, full born and clad in armor. We had three people get 1991 exactly. Larry, Chad, and David. Jesse is unfortunately the odd man out as he hangs. <laughs> um, Chad, we'll start with you. What'd you hear there? Well, I heard Vince and Bruce. And so although I thought Jerry's vocals sounded a little more labored, like maybe in 93 or 94, um, you know, the Bruce in there, I mean, 91's your best guess for both of those guys. Yep. Larry, you're nodding your head. So you also heard the two keyboardists. Well, I, I didn't hear much of Vince, but a hundred percent Bruce with that really melodic, lyrical, flourishing, you know, filling between Jerry singing. Um, and you know, obviously that's a late eighties and beyond song. Um, I was kind of between 90 and 91, but I figured 91 was the safer guess because you had a whole year's worth of Bruce shows in that year, as opposed to just September to December. Great. And David, anything you want to add? Yeah, Bruce. And like I said, I'm from the, I'm from Michigan. So, I mean, you know, that was a very popular tape back in the day in Ann Arbor. So, I mean, it's not a very familiar, uh, I didn't have any doubt. So you recognize that tape? Yeah. Do you ever go to a show at that venue? Yeah, I saw Den Company there a couple of years ago. I saw a bunch of other non-dead stuff there. But by the time I started seeing the dead, they were playing the palace. And then I moved up to the West Coast, so I didn't see them in there anymore. But um seen a bunch of bands there. It's a great venue. Uh, dead & Company played there the other, the other last year, year before. I mean, definitely a good place. Great name, too. Pine Knob. Oh, that's great. great. <laughs> the hill is a bitch on the back of that place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I once had an adventure back there for a Neil Young concert, the entire entirety of a Neil Young concert. Me and my buddy had a, a, a great like little discussion going on on whether a cup of Pepsi was leaking or not for the entire show. Uh, <laughs> not great. Was this a, a, an enhanced discussion? I, I'm not going to admit to anything. My son's going to listen to this, so I'm not going to say shit. <laughs> uh, that's a legitimate reason to take the fifth. <laughs> yeah, he goes to shows with me, but you know, he's he's still only 17, so. Perfect. All right. Well, if he's listening, it was a completely sober discussion about Pepsi for three hours. <laughs> Jesse, you guessed 93, not far off. What'd you hear? Yeah. Uh, it was mostly just Jerry's voice. I thought it was a little labored. And I, I kind of like had studied uh, listening snowboarding this morning, actually. And like I just had listened to like, I think a 93 and I had it in my head that his voice sounded like that. So I was like, I'm going to ride with that. And it is what it is. So snowboarding runs are pretty short when you're good, which is, seems like you are. Do you choose a song at the top of the hill or do you just listen to a show throughout the day? Uh, so this ski area is kind of like my backyard to a degree. And like, um, like I said, it's kind of small. So I'll go up there for like two hours and I can get 20 runs in. So I kind of treat a day of snowboarding to like a, a show and I can listen to a whole show stop the bottom or like, or like top the like starting to begin to end and like that'd be my day of snowboarding perfectly. And like, so yeah, so a lot of the times my day is just spent like I'll start it when I get there and snowboard until it's done and then head on home. 
What's the best song to like floss down the mountain to at top speed? Uh, Hell in the Bucket's always fun. Oh, <laughs> no, it's fun. I mean, any like any music. Um, Morning Dew is amazing. Yeah, like a lot of times, like this time of the year, the last like three weeks, it's been busy, and we make a lot of our money like off of like the Christmas, New Year's business, like most ski areas. But this time of the year, if you get up there, like when they open, you have like an hour and a half before all the tourists come in from Florida. And you can get like two hours of riding in before the lift lines just kind of get too ridiculous and whatnot. So yeah, uh, here lately, it's just been like a lot of morning dews, kind of like right as the sun rises and it's really nice. It's beautiful. Jesse, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Larry, the Grateful Dentist, Chad and David are competing for two spots in the best of three series to win the Grateful Dead prize pack from Play Dead. Let's play the song. The guesses are in Big Railroad Blues at Ventura County Fairgrounds on July 30th, 1983. The song was played every year from 69 to 95, except for 75 through 78, 89, and 93. Only one person got it exactly, and that's David. He guessed 1983. David, how'd you figure that one out? You know, that was a little bit of a guess there. Um, Jerry's voice sounded early 80s. I wasn't sure. There was a pretty big range that I could have gone with. Um, Brent was pretty dominant on the keys. He was really feeling it. Um, and uh, just the vibe. I mean, just felt, you know, and, you know, pushing towards the mid-80s, but not quite there yet. That's just what I felt. Cool. You're on the next round. You're on to the finals. Awesome. All right. Chad guessed 1984 and Larry guessed ni- 1981. So Larry, the Grateful Dentist, uh, is eliminated. Chad, you go on to the finals. What'd you hear, Chad? Well, I was thinking it sounded like 84 or 85. I thought I heard, you know, 
Jerry's coked out voice of kind of that time period. So I was kind of taking a stab at it. Just shot with 84. Great. You're on to the finals. Larry, I'm sorry to see you go. Uh, You guessed 1983. uh, I'm sorry. You guessed 1981. 81. Yeah. What did you hear? I I, I was not aware that Big Railroad was in the rotation all the way through. It's a, a pretty rare song that didn't come out often. Uh, I know I was at Lehigh on 925-81, and they played it there. And it, it just kind of had that early 80s vibe to me. But as as I'm hearing the correct answer, the bottom end in the fill should have kind of led me to a little bit later. But I, I was thinking 81-83, but it was just a toss-up, and I went a little earlier as opposed to a little later. Why? Why would Phil uh, clue you into? Phil, 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 Phil was Phil's. I, I think Phil's bass rig changed around that time, and and I think he was just a lot more solid in the bug again, depending on the show and the recording. But he was a lot more solid in the bottom end. Got it. Um. So, Larry, your your American Beauty band, which uh you mentioned in the last episode, I went back and listened to some of your guys on archive and you guys are amazing. Um, thank, how, you, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds great. It's top notch tribute band right there. How did that come to be? Um, basically uh, I've kind of played, uh, throughout, like I, you know, I started playing in high school back in the late seventies, uh, uh, played, had roommates in college that played guitar. So it was acoustic guitars every day. Um, this was the music that I always loved the most and found the easiest to play. Um, and interestingly, for, for a long time, I was really in it to kind of just jam. And I was with some people for a while, and it was like a weekly jam in a studio in Manhattan. And I was very comfortable and happy with that, just making it for our own enjoyment. But I got to a point where I kind of felt like I was progressing musically and vocally and the people I was playing with were kind of more consumed with other things. It was more about the hangout to them than about like, you know, nailing arrangements and getting your vocals together and stuff like that. And I I was really kind of reluctant to play out because my attitude was always like, you know, it's a lot of freaking work to do for like $50. Um, but I wanting to play with people who were stronger players. I, I just came into a circle of people, a uh, shout out to, uh, to my bandmate, Katie G, who is the female vocalist in the band and her husband, Fred, who does sound for us. Um, she and I are the remaining original members bands been together for about seven years. Uh, we've had a couple of people rotate through the Bob slash rhythm or second guitar spot. Uh, a couple of people, two people rotate through our drum position. A um, couple of people rotate through our keyboard position. But um, I, I kind of, in order to play with these people who I wanted to play with, um, part of the equation was they wanted to play out. And I was real reluctant at first. And I was like, yeah, like once a month, maybe once every other month. And we played out 28 times last year. <laughs> so so I, i'm loving it i'm having a great time with it um you know it's uh it's a, a piece of time in my week you know rehearsal or slash jam or or gig where 
I can just kind of lose myself in the moment and not be thinking about all the other stuff of life. And um, basically, uh, it just it, it just kind of grew and it kind of the, the playing out aspect of it and the, the sharing the energy. And, you know, we, we don't get big crowds. I mean, we play places that have dead nights and we play to 75 or 80 people. And we've been in bars where like there were more people in the band than there were in the bar. Um, but just that like what Jerry would say about passing that energy back and forth and feeding off the crowd and and making people feel it, it's making me feel good. It's making people feel good. It's it's beautiful thing. And I and I thank you for your compliment, Mike. That really means a lot coming from you. I I mean it. You guys sound great. And when you make a set list, is it you that makes it as the Jerry of the band or everyone does? Actually, Katie does most of the set list work for us. Uh, she and I kind of trade things back and forth. Um, as the vocalist, sometimes I think it's harder to perceive songs that may be a little bit more challenging for the musicians. Um, like He's Gone, we've been trying to really nail down. And it's not a complicated song, but there's like timing issues in that song. Like where does the do 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 part go and stuff like that? And we had that we had that on the list for last week. And the two weeks before in rehearsal, as we were just kind of running through it, it it kind of stumbled a little bit in those places. So I, I'll say to her, you know, Katie, let let's put that on the shelf until we get that nailed down a little bit tighter. But you know, we 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 there's there's plenty of flubs, there's plenty of musical farts, uh, plenty of that from from the boys too, you know. Just let it go. You just let it go and, and get the next note. And uh, and that that's really, but it, it's it's generally by consensus. So if somebody says, I hate that song, I don't want to play it. You know, we, we may work on them a little bit, but like a Alabama is a, is a song in our list. Not my most favorite song. I don't think it's my strongest song to play, but people want to play it. People like it. I'll play it. Uh, if anybody on the podcast wants to check us out, I'll throw in a real quick plug. Uh, you can find us at www.americanbeautyband.net or on Facebook at uh, American Beauty Band NJ. And uh, we play in the greater New York area, uh, looking to build our audience. And we'd love to meet some of you, have some of you come out to some of our shows, which are mostly bar gigs. A and Mike, I, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, this has been a total gas, um, really interesting idea. And, and clearly the good old Grateful Dead is the only kind of band that you could do something like this with. Correct. <laughs> Larry, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mike. All right. Chad and David are on to the finals to play a best of three series for the Play Dead prize pack. Let's play the song.
I'm not sure we've ever had a pig pen lead, which is shameful, but here we are. All right, the guesses are in. It was Alligator at the Music Box in Omaha, Nebraska on February 4th, 1969. Alligator was Robert Hunter's first songwriting credit with The Dead. David guessed 68. He was closer. Chad guessed 67. David, how'd you suss that out? I mean, I almost went with 57 too. I mean, it was pretty rough around the edges. You know, Pig always sounds good. He's the man on lead. But, you know, it wasn't real put together. I didn't think it was going to be 69 because I think 69 is a little bit, you know, more polished. They're they're gaining in power. And uh, so, I mean, I kind of split the difference between 69 and 67, I guess. But I, I really, I changed it from 67 to 68, so. Great. Well, you go up one zero in the series, David. Chad, you guessed 67, uh, not far off. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought as David. It sounded a little rough around the edges. Um, I was between 67, 68. I thought I was thinking maybe late 67. Um, but uh, the sound quality also, it sounded like, uh, you know, sound like a crappy recording. So I thought it might've been a little bit, it might've been a little bit older. So I'm, that I'm was with my, you on the crappy that was my recording. Guess. Yeah, that was my guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, David, you said you were saying you're a pig pen fan. I, I mean, I, I like pig. It, definitely, the band wouldn't be here without him. You know, I mean, really, I'm a Phil man. I got a whole sound system set up the house just so I can hear Phil clearly in the damn mix because he's always too low in the damn. That's mix. awesome. That's so I mean, awesome. I'm, I'm a Phil man too. That's awesome. I go see Phil and friends. He's too low in the damn mix in his own shows. I'm like, turn yourself all the way up. I mean, just do it. But. um I mean, he's he's the best musician in the band. I mean, Jerry's got his improv and he's got his, you know, the psyche and and the vision. But as far as a pure musician, I think Phil's just rock solid, man. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even play bass until Jerry asked him to. He's like, hey, you want to pick up this bass, you know? <laughs> right. Like... Yeah, and he just nailed it for like, you know, 50 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> tell, wait, tell us a little about your sound system. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not like incredible or anything like that. Just, you know, four speakers set up in, the, in my bedroom. I just listen to it all the time. I got a bunch of like Google speakers all around the house tied to the surround system. So if I want to play the whole house in sync, you know, I just put on archive and play a show and be echoing out through the house. But, you know, just good, good, you know, woofer, subwoofer, and you can hear it. You got to hear Phil, man. You got to hear Phil. I've got a Denon. I have a Denon 12 band equalizer. So I can kind of play sound guy. Yeah, and move the move the levels. If something's kind of muffled, you can crisp it up. If Phil's too low in the mix, you can turn the bass up, and you can adjust it. These digital recordings nowadays are just set in stone. You know, you can put on pop or rock or jazz setting or country, but to be able to slide the EQ up and down, I think is essential for listening to forty-year-old live music. You know, well, you can adjust the levels of the mid-range the high end, the low end, and you can actually take any, you know, any recording, any live recording, and you can basically tune it in. I mean, it might take you three songs to get it tuned in, right? Like a sound check. Just exactly perfect. Yeah, just exactly <laughs> perfect. There you go. That's badass, man. That's cool. So you can take these recordings. As I come across recordings on Relist, I'm like, nope, too, you know, there's some problem with it, but you can fix the recording yourself, basically. That's right. Shit, man, you're on to something. I'm, that's a good tip to relay on the podcast. Thank you, Chad. All right. David is up 1-0 in the series. He only needs one more to get the Play Dead prize pack. Chad's looking to even things up. 
Let's play the song. The guesses are in. One more Saturday night, Fox Theater, St. Louis, October 18th, 1972. Deadhead and former Senator Al Franken named his 1986 comedy One More Saturday Night after the song. David and Chad both guessed 72. Not fooling anyone here. David, we'll start with you. Uh, what'd you hear there? Bobby's voice and Jerry's tone. I mean, just scream 72. That's just a feel to it. You know, Phil's in the mix, but he's not super high in the mix. So I almost went 73 because you can hear Phil pretty well. But, I mean, the tone of Jerry's guitar and Bobby's voice, like I said. Chad, how about you? Well, especially at the very beginning, I heard that wah-wah pedal that Jerry's pumping in 72. And, uh, I mean, there's no mistake in that. So he didn't use the wah-wah pedal after 72 much well he he used an envelope filter a lot of course in the late 70s and all the way through the end but you know that europe 72 where he's pumping that that manual wah pedal you know and that's that's what i heard so that's what i went with i thought 72 might be too obvious but you know i'm i was pretty sure it seems like you know a lot about pedals and shit do you play guitar yeah i just uh as a hobby, yes, sir. Okay, well, we're on the next round. David is still up 1-0 in the series. Chad still needs to win one to even things up. Let's play the song. Summer 
Dancing in the Streets, Frost Amphitheater in Palo Alto on April 27th, 1985. The song is a Martha Reeves and the Vandellas cover, which is co-written by Marvin Gaye. And while I was looking that up, I listened to the song, and it's fucking great. I'd recommend everyone listen to the original of that. It is so good. It's really, really good. David and Chad both guessed 1981. So we're going on to the next round. Chad, why 81? Well, I thought it sounded like early Brent, so I was kind of torn between 80, 81, 82. I thought the keyboard texture sounded earlier than 85. Um, and again, I was kind of splitting the difference there with 81. Cool. Why couldn't it have been like 87 or something? Just the texture of the keyboard. He's got, you know, Brent's got that poppy early. Um, sound and his voice sounded conjointed it sounded like it was you know a half a millimeter off of everybody else and i don't know it sounds just sounded like an earlier version to me they were they were more tight in 87 they were much tighter in 87 than what that recording was that's a great poll early brent still not being totally in sync with the band nice work david you also guessed 81 what'd you hear I mean, a little bit of a stab in the dark. Uh, definitely could, you know, hear Brent really well. But I didn't realize that, you know, I forget how late they played it. I didn't think they played it much past 82, 83. So I was kind of staying early in the 80s. I kind of forgot when they, when they when it went in on a rotation. But um, yeah, it sounded a little rough. They didn't sound real tight as a band altogether. That seemed about right. Great. Well, same situation. David needs one more to win. Chad needs one more to tie it up. Let's play the song.
must be heaven Tonight I cross the line You must be the angel I thought I might never find Was it you I heard singing Oh, while I was chasing dreams Driven by the wind Like the dust that blows around And the rain falling down now But I never know now Sirens call. It's a certain sort of sound. And the rain falling down now. Rain falling down. Rain falling down. All right, the guesses are in. It was Sanum Circumstance at Recreation Hall, which is at Penn State University. It was May 6th, 1980. The live album. Saint of Circumstance, was recorded on June 17th, 1991 at Giant Stadium. The song starts off the second set, but beyond that, it's unclear to me and to the internet why it was called Saint of Circumstance. Chad got it exactly, 1980. David got 1988. Chad, you sussed that out. Nice work. What'd you hear? Well, again, I was going off the tone of Brent's keys. It reminded me a lot of the Dead Set version that came out from the same year. Um, just the tone of the keys and the, the early sound of 1980. David. I don't have a good explanation for why I was that far off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just didn't. I just, uh, I don't know. I was, you know, that's a, the song doesn't vary all that much over the years. And I just kind of got lost in it, I guess. Are you a lost sailor, second, same circumstance guy? Do you go I, for that? I mean, I like it more lost sailor. I've done some sailing, so that one hits home, but. Yeah, you know, Saint's not a bad bathroom break, really. <laughs> oh, come on, come on now. I mean, come on you, can get in, you can get in and out real quick. You don't miss all that much. You've heard it before. It's all right. <laughs> Chad, you disagree? Drifting and dreaming, drifting and dreaming. One of the first dead shows I ever went to in the 90s at Deer Creek, they did a standalone Saint of Circumstance, I think in 94, and uh, loved it. So you're a you're a saint over sailor guy then, or you know you're not choosing. what you know what all all the times I've seen Rat Dog and Bob Weir, many 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 times, and you you know you shoot for what do you want to hear what do you want to hear, and it's funny how it changes through the years. So like, you know, in the early '90s, I mean, mid to late '90s, you might hear, you know, Blackbird or. Uh, you know, some of the stuff over and over and over again, like the old, the, the, the evening mood stuff, bury me standing. And you think, oh man, I don't want to hear that again. And then now, 20 years later, you love that kind of stuff. You know, give me the, give me the even so October's queen. I love it. But Santa circumstance, Hey, sailor saint, I've been a fan from the get go all the way through. Love it. Well, Chad, you've evened up the series one, one. Let's play the song. Mm-hmm. 
in at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park, New York on July 16th, 1990. This was the B-side of the Grateful Dead's first single released in 1966. The A-side was Stealin'. We have a winner. Chad, 89, one year off. David, you guessed 87. Bravo to both you. Chad, how'd you uh, figure that one out? Well, I knew it was very late, Brent. Um, of course, there wasn't a lot, you know, half a year in 90 with him. So I went with 89. But, you know, great comeback, David, man. Hey, I grew up 60 miles from Notre Dame. I know you're a Michigan guy. Sorry to take you down, brother. That's okay, man. It's okay. It's great play. It's an awesome game, man. Great idea. Oh, thanks, David. Um, yeah, David, 87. I mean, I'm a late bread, but I not didn't think it was quite that late, you know? Um, sounded good, but yeah, you know. Just don't know. It's hard, isn't it, man? It's harder than you think. I, I play this game all the time in the car with myself. It's much easier <laughs> with yourself in the car, you know? With the bright lights, man. Well, I mean, you did pretty well. You made it to the ninth song, David. So uh, don't be too hard on yourself there. And we'll be back on the runner-up tournament. And Chad, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. So much fun. So much fun. Well, we enjoyed having you. Subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For show updates, follow us at Guest of the Year Show on Instagram. If you want to be a contestant, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at guestoftheyearshow at gmail.com. Thank you to Dylan, who's making the posters. Thank you so much for listening. For the fun facts, I relied heavily on Dead.net, Dead Disc, Grateful Dead of the Day, Wikipedia and all their commenters, so thank you to all of them. Thank you to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new winner, Chad. And to our other contestants, thank you for playing, and remember, it's all one song anyways. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.